Welcome to the Carolyn Shuttlesworth Podcast, where we'll dive deep into the Word of God, build strong faith, and finish the devil. Here's your host, author, speaker, and nonstop mom, Carolyn Shuttlesworth. Man, what a good day. Marcy wasn't kidding when she came up here. <laughs> what uh, on a, a day of refreshing. You know, I always say this when I travel with Ted. You know, many of you I know, many of you I don't know. I may have met you for the first time. My husband and I have Miracle Word Ministries, um, and we have magazines and stuff you can get. I don't want to touch on it too much. I have a book. Some of you got it, Lines, Confessions That Create Boundaries Your Enemies Cannot Cross. It's a 40-day devotional with questions. I encourage you to get that in the back. But, um, you know, we travel around all the time, and I always say, I don't just go to meetings to go to meetings because my husband's the preacher. I go, and every time I ask the Lord, fill me up, give me a fresh and fill. You know, I couldn't travel the way we travel and do what we do if I didn't have that fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, if I didn't sit in the anointing. The anointing breaks all yokes. The anointing lifts off heavy, heavy burdens. I can stay in joy. I can stay in peace. Thank you very much. That's okay. I can stay in that atmosphere because I come just like you. I want to receive every service. And so that's what I feel today. You guys are in, you know, faith is the breeding ground for miracles. We can still have miracles. We can still lay hands on the sick on the depressed, uh, you know, whatever you're battling, and still see it just because it's a women's meeting and we've had lunch. It doesn't make it any different if we come in, we got the entire band, and we do a regular service, and we're sitting in the chairs like they're set up. No, we came in here to get something. And when I was praying for today, I was really thinking of probably someone that most people don't usually do a message on, um, and I'm going to uh, get to her. Actually, if you have your Bible, I hope you do, because we are having a meeting in church. <laughs> Joshua 2. <laughs> we're going to Joshua 2, because we're going to be talking about Rahab. Yep, we're talking about a prostitute today. <laughs> but, but, you know, there's more to this story than just like, hey, she helped the spies, and we know her as, you know, hanging the red cord out, and you know, saved it. There's like so much deeper stuff. I had to speak in um, World Harvest Church in Roswell, Georgia earlier this year, and I had done a meeting on uh, different women in the Bible, and I got to her, and I got to her on uh, boldness. She was what I spoke on a boldness, but I said, man, I got to go back and really like read about her and the story and get a revelation. You know, you can read the Bible through. Don't think that it's done at that point. I mean, I grew up in church, but now it's different. Like, I go back and I'll see the same verse, like, five different ways and get something out of it. So always continue to go back to the Word of God and read a story. You know, even if it's something as some, you heard as a little kid with Peter walking on the water, you can get so much revelation out of the Bible, and it never expires. So, like, until the Lord comes back, you'll still get revelation out of the Word of God, regardless if it's a story you've heard a hundred times. Ask Him to show you, because the key is seeing it with your spiritual eyes. Your natural eyes, you'll just see the words and you read it. Ask the Lord, listen, when I open the Word of God, show me what it says with my spiritual eyes. 
and, and it's really awakening. But today, I titled my message, Faith and Action to Transform. Faith and Action to Transform. Because you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm a little sick and tired of Christian, especially women, looking a certain way. And I, I'm not judging people's outside looks. I mean how they conduct themselves as a Christian. We are called to be stronger than what a lot of Christians I see out there. We're called to go higher. We're called to be powerful. We're called to be bold. We're called to know our identity. These are things that we're called to do. We are women of faith. We have a job to do while we're here on earth. And so when we're going to be talking about Rahab, I'm going to go to a few other people, but I'm starting with her because she's transformed from a prostitute to the matriarch of the Jewish and Christian faith. Like if you, if you realize uh, Rahab is uh, the mother of Boaz, right? Then Ruth marries Boaz. They have Obed is the father of Jesse, who is the father of King David. So like she's in that lineage. So she never did what, she was, what we're going to read to do. None of that else would have happened. None of those people would have came. You would have never heard about David. You would never heard about Goliath. Like you would never hear about him giving the largest offering. Like all the things that set precedence in our word of God and help us live out our daily life wouldn't have happened unless she used faith and action to transform the situation. So in Joshua 2... It talks about Rahab protecting the spies. I'm kind of going to read and skip around because, you know, I've got um, a lot of things I want to go over. But when you think about someone's lifestyle like that, uh, you probably think uh, they have no purpose in life. They, they obviously feel like they don't know their identity. She's selling her body for sex, and now she's known around town. She's the prostitute. I mean, that's, that was her title. That was her title until she transforms some things here. And so in Joshua 2, we have about Rahab protecting the spies. We know that he sent out, I'm just going to kind of prefix some things. Joshua sent out two spies to the Israelite camp. Uh, they met a, a prostitute by the name of Rahab and stayed there for the night. Okay, so the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the two men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy on the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were. They left at the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. Meanwhile, they're on the roof. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. And it says, actually, she had, I'm reading from New Living, actually, she had taken them from the roof to hidden them beneath the bundles of flax she laid out. So the king's men left. They went looking. They believed her. She hid them. She said, before they went to sleep at night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what, what you did in Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of heavens above the earth below. And so you know the rest of the story. 
they swear back and forth, this and that. We put the cord. She said, listen, when you um, come back, like, if I do this for you, this is what I want. I want you to protect me, not only me, my family, father, mother, brothers, sisters, uh, and all of their family. So it's like not just her, not just her immediate family, her entire family. So, you know, she, for that moment, let go of the past and the present because she, she didn't think, okay, I'm a prostitute. I'm never, what, what, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to stay right here. She, she stood in the face of danger, and she made a decision for her and her family. What direction was she going to go in? What side was she going to stand on? So I said she stood firm in the face of danger, and what people said about her and her current lifestyle didn't stop her. It also didn't keep her the same person. It didn't keep her the same person. She changed a whole course of history by these three points I'm getting ready to go over with you. The first one, I wrote down, we are women who decide where we stand. Where do we stand? We can't live Luke... Time is running out. Jesus is coming back. Can you not see it? Like, can you really not see it? Jesus is on the horizon. I see him. He's coming. He's getting a little bit closer. He is coming here. We are women who need to decide where we stand. When a situation comes your way, what, what is your reaction? You know, I, I said it earlier when I was sitting, who one of my favorite women in the Bible is. But what is your reaction? She could have been so frightful. So now we have, like, you know, an army, army men in her house. Where's the guys? What's going on? Are you lying to me? You know, I'm sure it was a little bit of an interrogation. So she had a moment there where she had to make a decision. We all get to a fork in the road. I, I grew up in church. I grew up in the presence of God. But there was a year in my life that I tried to ride the fence. Honestly, like I tried to ride the fence. I thought I could hang with whoever. I thought I could do whatever I wanted, but still go to church on Sunday. And man, that's a frustrating feeling. That's a frustrating back and forth. You're like that rubber band, back and forth, back and forth. But I remember a time in my life where it was like the fork in the road. If I don't get my act together... I've got a bad, I got a bad path I'm getting ready to go down. But if I get my act together and let the Lord use me and let him speak to me and see myself different and not go with the flow, not do whatever everyone else is doing, not look like every other person in church, because there's lots of people who fake it. They just come in, they clock in, they sit, they never change. I made it a, a, a point in my life where I want to be a Christian that, like I said at the beginning, who other people want to know who I serve. Other people want to know who I serve. Why is God so good to you? Why, when the world is literally freaking out, you look like you could care less? Because I care less. That's why. I, I look like I care less because I could care less. I only believe one report, and that's the Lord's report. And that's where we have to be. We have to be women of God who decide where we stand. Where, where do we stand? Where do we stand? She had to pick a side. 
And you know what I loved? I, I just kept reading Joshua 2, and I'm like, all right, Lord, where, where does she stand? Where does she stand? Where does she stand? And it wasn't, you know, you know what made her pick a side? It was when she heard how good God is. What did God do? What did God, the God of the spies, she said, listen, we've heard the stories. We've heard the miracles. We heard what your God did. And I want that. I want that. See, she, she heard what God did for the other people. And she said, I'm making a stand. That's what I want. That's what I want. I want that. And, and, if, and if I follow that and I do that, this is what I want. So we have to do that. We have to be just like that. Faith comes by hearing. She never experienced the works of God like the two spies did. She never experienced that, but she heard. And when you hear, now's your time to make a decision. When you hear the word of God, when the word of God is telling you, you don't have to struggle. When the word of God is telling you, you can live in perfect peace. Are you going to believe that? Are you going to turn on the news? Are you going to listen to the next report? Are you going to listen to a report that comes in the mail, what someone else is saying? We all have a decision. I'm not any better than you, but my life could have a different outcome only because of a decision I decided to stay on with the word of God. So we all get faced with that. And that's when it comes time to be like, listen, I'm not going to have the enemy, the, the, the army, the enemy come into my camp, come into my house, come into my surroundings and try to bully me because he'll do that. He'll push you around a little bit. Little foxes spoil the vine. Oh, but you, you know, you don't really have to do that. It's not, you know, that, that might have been, uh, you know, that, that person did that, but we don't need to do that. Or, or look, look, they're a Christian and look what they're going through. Look, they, they, that was a preacher on a plane and it went down and it died. So you can't believe in angels. You can't believe in the protection of God. No. No, one thing that my husband and I always say is someone else's story doesn't have to be my story. I serve the author and finisher of my faith. So you know who wrote my story? Okay, so that's the only story you guys have to live by. What's the story that God has written out for you? What is it that's going to make you pick a side? Um, and I brought up this morning 2 Kings, 2 Kings 4. Read that chapter. Get that in your spirit, man, of the Shemanite woman who built a, a room for the prophet Elijah. You know, he, she built a room for the anointing of God. Anytime he came through, he was able to stay there. She set it up. It was his place. Like I said, she had it believing for a son. She wanted a son. And then what? Fell over dead. Now, there were some choices that came her way. Her husband, for one, which kind of blows my mind because that's his son too, you know, and this is what will represent the religious crowd. This is going to represent the naysayers. This is going to represent the people that's like, no, no, it's not time. You don't need to bother God. Why would you bother God when there's other people struggling in the world? Your problem isn't that big. That's what people will say. Well, you, you know, just, just take what comes your way. You know, I get offended at the small things. So, like, we'll use this for instance, a cold. Okay, a cold offends my faith. Why do I have to wait until I get a worse report 
where my faith starts kicking in and my prayers and my ability to kick out the enemy. Why do I have to wait? Anything that goes against God's word. So there are people that say, well, there's other, there's worse things that you, you know, you need, believe in for, other people are praying for. God doesn't have time to worry about your cold. Like, who cares? It's flu season, COVID season, whatever is new that they want to put out there. Um, you know, whatever season this world says it is, is not my season. It's not my season. That's what I want to get through to you guys today is you dictate, you dictate what's going on in your life. You're in control. You're in charge. And so her son died and her husband goes, oh, but why are you going to go now? Why, why are you going to go now? It's not, it's not the right day to go. I would have been like, excuse me? Like, our son is dead. What are you talking about? It's not time to go. Well, when's the proper time to go, you know? So she saddled up her donkeys, and she went to go bring the prophet back because she said, listen, God gave me that boy. You're coming with me. I know you have the anointing. See? See, there's an example. She knew who had the power of God. We need to be that for people. We're not called to be prayer projects for 20 years. We're called to get the fire, get the word, go after it, and then give it to somebody else. What good is it if it's constantly contained within inside of me? That's not going to get people saved. That's not going to get people healed. That's not going to get this young generation that's coming up below us on fire for God if all we do is contain it. And so she went, and she's going, and along the way, she has people asking her, well, how are you doing? Is everything good with you? There's another fork in the road. How is she going to respond? How do you respond when you're going through a battle, when you've got something going on that's weighing on you, that you've been fighting, that you are, you know, really having spiritual warfare over? When somebody asks you, how is going? Are we about all the information? You know, Facebook has ruined a lot of our lives because we feel like we need to write everything on there. And then, you know, I'm just going to let you guys know, I hate to break it to you. Majority of the people on there don't care. They just want to be nosy. So make sure you're telling your friends that you know are going to lift you up and raise you higher because that don't use Facebook and all those places as outlets to tell everybody your business. You got to get with core people. If you're going to destroy uh, the devil and his demons, you got to get core people that are willing to fight. Okay, not just be nosy, willing to fight. And so she's going and she had the opportunity to respond. Oh my gosh, my son is dead. I don't even know what's going to happen. I just, I don't know if, if he's, I, I am, I'm really, I'm unsure. I'm unsure. And you know, that's what I like about her. She was not unsure. She was not moved. She knew, I have a mission. I got a fight in my eyes. I know what I'm going for. I'm going for the power. I'm going towards the anointing. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm bringing the anointing. I'm bringing the power back to my home. And that's what you have the right to do. You know, we are ahead of our home. God's created women to be ahead of our home. And so you do have to have power. I, I got to the point where I couldn't ride on the coattails of Ted anymore. I had to either get it for myself or get left behind. Because if he's going higher, why do I want to stay back? 
Don't I want to get it for myself? And that's the same for you. It's time to go higher. We're not getting left behind. We're not going to get left behind. We are out to take the anointing back home to our homes. Whether if you have a family, whether if it's just you and you're single right now, the anointing needs to reside in your home at all times. And so she had the opportunity, excuse me, to respond with another answer. But like I mentioned earlier, the best answer she ever gave, and I want you guys to practice this for the rest of the year in 2021, because it's going to set the tone for the next year. If you think that this world's supposed to be getting better, I'm sorry, it's not. It doesn't mean that as a child of God, you're going to struggle. We're protected. But the world, we're not of this world. Keep that in your mind. We're not of this world. We're from a different kingdom. So we're supposed to operate a different way. And so keep this in your vocabulary. You got to write it in bold print, whatever you have to do. But keep this response when things come your way. It is well. Keep that response just like she did. You guys can go read. I'm not going to go there today. But in 2 Kings 4, look at her response. It is well. And you know what? That hung on to her faith. That hung on to what she got. And her son was made whole. Her son came back to life. She brought the anointing. She brought the power of God back because she knew what it could do. Have you guys been in services where you've seen miracles? You've seen the power of God move? Yeah. Well, it's not just for that person. It's not just for that moment. That's something you can do. That's something you have the ability to operate in. That's something that you have the ability to bring back into your environment. And that's how we are supposed to operate. So we are women who decide where we stand. What do you believe in God for? You know, just think about it. Put it in the forefront of your mind. What are you believing God for? Maybe there's something at the beginning of the year you haven't seen yet. Maybe there's something you just started believing God for. Maybe it's been 10 years. Don't ever give up on what you're believing God for. It's not some torture treatment for him to be like, here's the carrot. I just want you to keep praying to me. No, you pray without ceasing and you're supposed to pray every day. But all throughout the word of God, it says, when you call, I will answer. Don't have distractions because I'm sure he's answered a lot of us and we just didn't hear him. So we have to know that he is here to answer our prayers and he wants you to make a stand. We're women that make a stand. When we leave today, there's going to have to be a line drawn in the sand. There's some of you in here that's gone back and forth. Does he heal? Maybe he's teaching me a lesson. Does he want me whole? Well, maybe, you know, I'm not super protected. I'm supposed to get this virus. You know, does he want the best for my marriage? Well, this is what the world says, and so maybe I should get with that, you know, book on three points on how to have a successful marriage. There's, there's, there's more than three points in here if you want, but I mean, like, so it's like, we're, we're taking this line today. We're going to blur it out of the sand, and we're going to pick a side. That's what we're doing. It doesn't matter what age you are in here. We're going to take a stand. It's just like Caleb. He said, put, put a sword in my hand. He's 80 years old. Put a sword in my hand. 
Don't look in the mirror every day and look just like at the outside. What are you strengthening your spirit man with? What's going on in here? Because eventually when you look in the mirror, what's going on in here, you're going to start seeing it in the mirror. And it's going to provide you boldness. It's going to provide you security. And it's going to let you know your identity in Christ. What's in here? That's what matters. First and foremost, what's inside? Number two, we are women who take responsibility. Ouch, not a nice word. We always like to push things off on people, right? He said that. This is why I reacted. She did that. This is why I'm offended. We have to be women who take responsibility. We can't, like I said, ride on the tails of my husband. I had to take responsibility. I had to go get the word for myself, study it out, and get the topic on this. What am I, what, how am I supposed to be as a wife? You know, we're so busy praying for other people to change. Let's ask the Holy Spirit how I can change introspect is not like, you know, the most comfortable thing. We don't like to look at it that way. But how can I change? How can I be a better mom? How can I be a better wife? How can I be better for when I meet a spouse? You know, you, you, you want to get together, and you don't need to work out a ton of problems when you get together. So during that time, while you're waiting on somebody and praying them in, ladies, be specific if you're praying in a husband. He will provide. You don't just want anything. <laughs> Believe, not that I've tried anything, but you know what I mean? Like, you just don't want whatever, you know, comes your way. He wants you to list it out. He wants to provide for you. And so we have to be women who take responsibility. Like Rahab, she did something about the situation. She took responsibility. I'm changing my purpose. I'm changing my life in this moment. I'm not going to be known as this anymore. I'm going to protect my family. And she saw at a distance, if I do this, I'm good. My mom's good. My dad's good. My brothers, my sisters. But their family's good. So she stretched out. When she did her faith and took a stand, she stretched out. We have to realize you know, when we do something, the ripple goes out. There's people who can be hurt by us. When we're hurt, the ripple goes out. Or there's people who can get in your presence and feel refreshed, who can get blessed, who get around you and say, man, she is gen generous. Every time I'm around her, she's doing something for someone, doing something for me. Man, she's loving, you know. I'm not, I'm not used to hugs, but she, but she really, you know, she loves on me. She, she's there for me when I need her. You know, what, what you give out could be two different things. And so we have to remember that. Take responsibility. Faith is an action word. Our faith will transform a situation. Our faith is going to transform a situation. She took responsibility of the outcome, and that's what you have to do. She said in Joshua 2, your, your God did these things, and this is what I want, and this is what I'm believing for. If you go over to 2 Kings 7.3, I loved this. I was like, man, I, I'm going to be like this. And you're talk, if you go over there, you, I'm not going to read everything there, but you look at there's lepers that want to go into the city. And there's a, uh, the army there, 
And I love 2 Kings 7.3. It got me thinking. I said, it says, why sit here until we die? They're going to take responsibility. Why sit here until you die? Why sit around doing nothing? Why sit here and let the news dictate to you your income, what you have to do, what they say is coming your way, what they say is coming next? What, I mean, why let them dictate to you? Why let the education system dictate to your children? Why let them dictate to you what your kids need to know, what they need to be taught? I'm sorry, last time I checked, I'm the mom. And so I'll tell them what they want, need to know at the proper age, at the proper time. I don't need them teaching my kids garbage. You know what I mean? We need to take the authority back in our home. We need to know that God entrusted your children to you and your husband and you only. And so I'm not going to let somebody dictate something to me that is against the word of God. That is the opposite of the word of God. So why sit here until we die? We're going to take responsibility. We're women who are going to stand up and take responsibility. Why let the world tell me what a marriage is supposed to look like? You got everyone out there saying you're supposed to do this, you need to do that. The word of God tells us, you know, we, you hear it as a basic saying, uh, this is life's manual. But it really is. You know, if you have to take a guide out into the deep, dark forest, you better have someone that knows how to navigate. Well, that's what we sang about earlier. Your spirit lives within me. It's a literal internal GPS system for your life. It will, it will tell you where to go, who to marry, which place to move, what church to go to, what job to have, what you're not supposed to have. You know, not, not every open door is something for you to go through. You have to ask the Holy Spirit, is this the door that I'm supposed to go through? Is this what I need to do? Or do I need to stay back? You know, when Jesus healed the boy in Mark, um, the, I'm sorry, the, the girl in Mark, he shut the door on people outside. He shut the door on the miracle that was happening. Because not everybody is meant to go where you're going. And so we're going to take responsibility. We're going to say, why sit here until we die? Why am I not going to do anything about this generation going to hell? Why am I not going to stand up? Why am I not going to declare God's goodness? Why am I not going to be a soul winner? Why am I just going to go through the drudges when life hands me lemons? I'm just going to, you know, enjoy it. I'm going to do, you know, no, there's no production in that. God wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to have production. He wants you to go higher. We're not supposed to sit here and wait to die. If you go over, um, oh, you, you guys have it up. I'm going to go over here into my Bible really quick and read it. Um, it says, why are we sitting here waiting to die? They asked each other. We will starve if we stay here, but with the famine in the city, we will starve if we go back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Armenian army. If they let us live, so much better. So there's an action step. We have to take responsibility for our faith. We have to take responsibility in who our identity is in Christ, where our boldness is. We have to take responsibility in that. You have a purpose. No matter what human has told you otherwise. The word of God has given each and every one a dream. He's given each and every one a purpose and a desire. It's not a desire that you conjured up 
in, in Psalm 34. It's a desire he's placed in you to see it carried out. We didn't just come up with the stuff that we desire to have or desire to do or desire to step out. It's a desire that he's placed within you. And when he's placed it within you, what he orders, he will pay for. So what he's placed within you to step out and do, maybe if you've had a dream and you're too nervous to step out or there's a business that you wanted to do and you just weren't sure to do it and God's put you in this direction, when he leads you, he takes care of any of the decisions, any of the, you know, the provisions that need to come your way. He takes care of that. We have to step out and take responsibility. That's what a woman of God does. A woman of God doesn't sit back and die. They rise up and they fight. You don't have to be a man to fight. You can be a woman to fight. You got to get it back in your eyes. You can be a woman to get scrappy with the devil. Okay? <laughs> Letty. <laughs> Why does the sin of this world have to become my issue. The Bible says in Romans 14, 17, that righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost is what the kingdom of God is. So let their mess stay their mess. Don't pull it into your life. Don't pull it into your thought life. Don't pull it into your house. Don't pull it into your family, your workplace. Don't pull the mess of this world where it doesn't need to be. Well, you know, our bodies are meant to carry the blessings of God, not the burdens of God. That's why when you carry the burdens of this world, you break down. You do start to feel bad. You do start to feel depressed and lazy and lethargic. And you do start to feel like you have no oomph to do anything. You do feel like, well, I can't do it. That's not what I'm supposed to do. That ship has sailed. That is when you take on the burdens that you're not supposed to do. But when you live with the blessings of God, you live in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's literally what the kingdom of God is. When you operate with those simple basic foundation, it brings you up to new levels. So we're women who take responsibility. In Proverbs 31, I know a lot of people are like, oh, but this talks about wife of noble character. And I've said this lots of times on my broadcast. It's like, look at how she is as a woman. She, she is a wife, and it is telling you how to be as a wife. But look past the wife part if you're not a wife yet. And even if you are, we're going to look at her as just, just a plain old woman. Let me get to, to Proverbs 31 real quick. Because she takes responsibility in a lot of ways, right? What does she do? She makes the food. She's bringing food from afar. She gets up early, prepares food for her household. She inspects the fields and buy it, so she's busy. She's prosperous. She's helping, she's helping the family out. She's energetic, strong, a hard worker. That's not just for a wife. That's for us as women of God, energetic, strong, hard worker. She makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her hands are busy, so she's, she's doing something. She's providing for her family, whether it's, like I said earlier, bringing in a check or just providing for your family by keeping the environment full of joy, full of love, full of peace. She makes her own bedspread. She dresses. I wish I could sew. I've, I haven't done verse 22 yet. I haven't gone up to her standards, but maybe, maybe one day I can make a dress. 
I always think that when I read this. I'm like, you know, I'm kind of half of Proverbs 31. I'm not quite there yet. I don't, you know. You know, I will inspect the field soon and buy it because I got cattle now. <laughs> She's clothed in strength and dignity and laughs without fear of the future. She's taken responsibility there. She could have a bad report. Things could not look so good, but she's going to laugh anyway. You guys should wake up in the morning, and it might sound weird, but just go, ha, 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 ha. Why don't you throw the devil off course once in a while? Instead of him trying to trip you up, trip him up. He thinks he's coming after you. He thinks he's getting ready to do something. And you're over there laughing. He's like, um, I'm not quite sure what's happening with her. I just told her that she has cancer, but she's laughing? She's full of joy? That's because she has a secret. <laughs> she believes the word of the God. She believes that it's going to be diminished in her body. She believes that it's going to shrivel up and die. She believes that God's making her whole. And so that's what we have to do. Take responsibility of the word for yourself. Nobody else can operate the word for you like you can. Nobody else can operate the word for you like you can. You know, there's times where I've seen people in my father-in-law services, and they get healed in a service. And I know very much that it, it really wasn't their faith in that moment. It was my father-in-law and what was there in that moment. Just like there's times where Jesus healed people and the other person, it wasn't taught the word yet, wasn't, they didn't see anything, his compassion moved and, and healed them. But what, what happens after they go home? What happens when you're not in a revival service for a week? What happens when life comes back to normal Monday through Friday and something comes your way? That's why we have to take responsibility and get it for ourselves. Nobody can work the word like you because that might be a moment, but you know what? I've seen lots of people that get what God has for them in a meeting, and then I hear a couple weeks later that it's back on them. Life is terrible for them. It's because you can't live in that moment based on what someone else has. You've got to get it for yourself and take responsibility to operate in it, to use it. And then the last point I wanted to say of we are women who don't dwell on the past or even the present. That can be really difficult because we all come from different walks of life. We all come from different situations, different home lives that, you know, make you and mold you and who you are today. Look at Rahab. She, you know probably had some identity issues growing up. You know, nobody just says, hey, one day when I grow up, I want to be a prostitute and sell my body for sex and make some money on it. Nobody, nobody, that's not a job, you know, title that anybody ever wants to say that they're going to do. And so here she is. We're going to look at Isaiah 43, 19. Because faith in action to transform that I'm talking on doesn't dwell on the past and present. Don't let your past pull you around by a leash anymore. Faith is stepping into the future, the new, the fresh. Do we have it up? No. Okay, Isaiah 43, 19. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. You see, 
you know, just brought to my attention, when you say a pathway through the wilderness, I will create rivers in a dry wasteland. It made me think of the song we were singing this morning, Psalm 23. You know, when you go and read, a lot of people, even, you know, newly saved people, I feel like can quote Psalm 23, but it's a powerful chapter. And it wasn't until I got older, and like I said, saw it with my spiritual eyes, things out of it. But just like this, I'll make a pathway through the wilderness. And then in Psalm 23, it says, I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So it's like, we have to make sure we don't stop in the wilderness. We're not called to build a community, a house, pop up a tent in the shadow, the valley of death. And that's what a lot of us do. We get to a point that's really dark and something that's happened. And we feel like, I guess this is where I'm supposed to be. Maybe this is God teaching me a lesson so I can have a testimony to speak to other women in this situation. I'm going to set up shop. You know, this is it. Uh, This is my life. This is just my life. And when I get to heaven, I'll enjoy the mansion. I'll enjoy the streets of gold. It will just be so much better when I'm in heaven. But right now, this is my purpose. No, it says a pathway. You walk through the wilderness. You walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We're not supposed to stay there. We're not supposed to hang out. We're not supposed to make friends during that time of the wilderness. We're supposed to keep on walking, keep on trucking, just like the lady, it is well. You just walk through, it is well. You got to get those horse blinders on. Now, I'm not looking at what's on the side. I'm not looking at the storm. I'm not looking what's coming my way. I'm not looking what other people are going through. What does God have for my life? What is the plan that's for my life? What is it that he's speaking to me? And so we have to know that we're not going to dwell on the past or even the present. He wants to do something new. Like I prayed earlier, there's something new and fresh for each and every one of us today. There's something new and fresh every morning you wake up. Give us your bread, our daily bread. Well, it's baked fresh every day. He's not putting it in a Ziploc and then we're taking a loaf of bread and, you know, here's a piece for today. Here's a piece. No, take that daily bread, gobble it up. It's the only bread that you won't get fat on. So enjoy it every day. No carbs. There's no carbs in his bread. (laughs) There's no carbs. So enjoy it every day. Don't be like, well, I'm going to use a little bit today and save some tomorrow and save some for the next day. No. Get everything fresh that God has for you each morning. Use it for the day. Operate in it for the day. Give it to somebody else. Spread it around for somebody else. But he gives you the new and the fresh every day, like Isaiah 43, 19. And it says, do you not see it? That's what I'm talking about. The spirit of God lives inside of you. Let your spirit man start doing the looking. Let your spirit man start doing the looking. He sees it in advance. Just like I said, I'm going to pound it into you. He's your guide. We don't ever have to wander around wondering what we're supposed to do at any age in life. At any age in life. And every age is going to look different and every season is going to look different. But in Psalm 1, it says we are to be Um, we're going to be productive, we're going to have manifestations, because every season is going to bear fruit, and and we're going to see the goodness in each season. It's not one season's good, the next season's bad. Well, we're going to take off a couple of seasons, 
No, every season may look different, but there's something good out of each season. And so faith is speaking and seeing it with your spiritual eyes first. So what do you have to speak faith over? What is it you're believing God for? And you know what? There's stuff I'm not even believing. Like um, um, there might be something I'm not going through, but I'm still going to speak faith over it. I still speak faith over my children. I confess over them every day. I confess over them every night. They're strong. They're smart. They're set apart. That's, we have a children's ministry with Miracle Word Ministry called Miracle Word Kids, and that's kind of our, our, our theme you know, when it was Luke 2.40, when Jesus was young and he was being, you know, raised up. And it said he grew with wisdom. He grew with might. So I speak over my kids all the time. You're strong. You're smart. You're set apart. You're not going to be like every other kid. You're full of wisdom. You're not going to have calamity. You're going to be prosperous. You're going to have money. You're going to be a blessing to others. These are things you have to confess over your own life, over your children, over your marriage. I'm going to speak life to my marriage. I, I don't have a bad marriage, but I'm still going to speak faith over to it. Pray over my husband. Pray over our marriage for strength every single day. The enemy can't come in. The enemy can't spoil anything. He's not going to say anything. Just when you think you're going to get offended about something, you got to back off. And realize I'm not going to let a fence set root into that situation and let it grow. I have a choice. goes back to taking responsibility. Confession. Did a whole book on it. I did a whole book on 40-day confession. I didn't even mean to bring that up there. But I did a whole book on it. Because it is, is life. You know, you can speak yourself into a truck stop bathroom or the Ritz-Carlton. I personally would prefer the Ritz-Carlton. Lots of traveling. I've seen truck stop bathrooms. Not sure. That's what I want to live in. And so you have that right as a child of God to confess. In fact, it's a command. Second Corinthians 4.13, it says, I believe, therefore I speak. I believe, therefore I speak. Well, the Bible also says in Isaiah that your words won't return void. But then sometimes we say, we say something, and I didn't see it. Well, wait a second. Are we speaking the word? Because it says his word won't return void. His word won't return void. So if you're not speaking the word, if you're not speaking the right thing over what God says in the word of God, and you've just altered your doctrine or altered what you want to go by for emotion or see someone else's story, and that's now how you believe the word of God, then it's not going to come back right. And so we have to remember that confession is everything. Confession builds our faith. We hear the word, and then we confess the word. We hear the word. I like to always look at it as, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But then when I hear it, I got to say it because I feel like it's one of those, like, recycle arrow circles. It's like it comes in, then I say it, and then it it lifts me up because then my ears catch it, my spirit man catches it, and then it's like a big circle again. I hear it, I read it, I say it. Boom, I'm lifted up. I hear it, I read it, I say it. Boom, I'm lifted up. So that's what we have to do. Our confession is everything. That's why I did 40 days of confessing over your life. I talked about a lot of stuff in here. I talked about your divine right, what you have right as a child of God. You have rights. Just like we do as Americans, and they're trying to take them. Well, we need to get a fight back in our eyes. Well, 
both for America and for the spiritual. But we have to get a fight back in our eyes because we have divine rights that are owed to us being under the covenant of our heavenly father. And so confession is everything. What you believe about the word is what you believe over yourself. What you believe about the word is what you believe over yourself. You know, we get into church and we get into all these I'm a child of God, yes I am song, you know, but then we go out and we don't act like children of God. We can't get in the habit of coming in and being repetitious and I'm going to sing and I'm going to worship and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and then leave the same way. You know, in a little bit here when I, when I wrap up, I'm going to be praying for people. I'm going to be laying my hands on you because I said before, I mean it, we're not leaving the same. We didn't come into church to leave feeling defeated, to leave feeling like we don't know our identity, to leave feeling like we don't have enough faith for something. We got to be bold. You know, you're going to stand up against the enemy and he's going to say some pretty good lies and bring up some pretty good past stuff. But you got to be bold and you got to square your, square your shoulders and square your feet and look him in the eye and remind him that he's a loser and remind him of other testimonies that he's done over your life. You know, when I uh, had my daughter Madeline, and many of you know the story from Ted, so many of you don't, she was diagnosed with a blood disease. And, you know, the doctor said this, we're in the hospital for a week. She's so weak. She can't move. She's crying with two, two and a half years old, saying, Daddy, please don't let them hurt me anymore. They couldn't get needles in her arm. Coming back with myocarditis, coming back with congestive heart failure, coming back with rheumatoid arthritis. I mean, crazy stuff. Telling me she had pneumonia in her lung. They're rushing her for, uh, uh, what the heck are those things called? X-rays. See, I know no medical terms. Uh, X-rays, looking in her lungs, this and that. Well, fast forward, you know, God healed her anointed her with oil, no medication, walked out of the hospital free from it. But, you know, I had, to, I had to look the enemy in the eye, and I remind him every day. That's the joy of it. We all have a testimony, right? God, if, if salvation is the only thing you have right now, that's a testimony. He saved you from hell, from burning in hell, okay? Really hot, terrible feeling, gnashing of teeth, like worse than any horror movie you've ever seen from hell. So that's a testimony. But I'm pretty sure that many of you, and if not all of you, have a testimony of something else. And so you need to remind the devil of it every day. I look him in the eye. Remember when you tried to make my daughter sick? Remember when you said she was going to have medication her whole life? Remember when? Remember when? Remember when? That's what you guys got to do. When you get that, you feel a boldness inside of you. So if there's a situation that you've dealt with in life, if there's something that God has saved you from, an accident, uh, uh, you know, maybe it was something that you guys were, you know, addicted to drugs and he saved you from certain situations in life that you're still standing here today, stand back and say, remember when, devil, you tried to take my life? Remember when I tried to be addicted? Well, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I will not perish. I have freedom. I live in truth. I'm a new creature in Christ, and there's nothing you can do about it, right? So that's what you have to do. You have to remind the devil 
of his past. Oh, I'm sorry. Remember when you got kicked out of heaven? Remember when you were now in hell? Remember that you're going to be tormented all the days of your life? Remember when? Remember when you left and the only thing you could take were the angels that decided to go with you? He's not a creator. He's got nothing new. That's what I'm saying. He's a bully. He's, he's, there's nothing to him. He's a bully. He's got no new demons. He's created nothing. He doesn't have that ability. So take a stand and tell the devil, remember when. Take that for the rest of the year. Every day, remind him who won. Remind him who came down and took the keys. Remind him. It says in Revelation that uh, when he comes out on the battlefield, they'll all look around and say, were, were you the one? You, you, you were the one that did all this? You were the one? That's what you have to think about. Every day, you're the one? I'm sorry, excuse me. So you have to remind the devil. Don't let him remind you of your past. Don't even let him remind you of your present, what you're going through right now, what you're standing in right now. But you remind him of his past and his future. Faith is in the future. Remind him of where it's going. Remind him of how it's getting ready to end. We have the end of the story. We don't have to be scared of what's going on in the world. We don't have to worry about what's going on. I literally could care less. I, I don't think about it. I don't watch it. You know, I just got to camp in Wyoming about a week ago. And I was out there all alone looking at God's creation. And Matthew 6 was coming to my, my mind. And it was like, the birds don't, don't give a care. They don't worry about what food's getting ready to come to them. They don't worry about where's the next meal, will I have a home, who's going to provide for me. They literally just live in their creation. They just live in their creation. And when I came back to cell service, it was so nice. I had off the grid for a week. It was great, except when you come back, every, you know, your phone's blowing up and everything else. And people were like, did you hear what the president said? Did you hear what's going on? And I just laughed. I just laughed because I thought to myself, I don't care what's happening. I don't care what he said. He's not my boss. He's not my provider. He's not my savior, my comforter, my deliverer. If those birds don't care, why do I have to care? No, I don't have a worry or concern. As long as you live right as a child of God, you're in right standing and righteousness. You live right as a child of God. Everything else is provided for you. Like I said at the beginning, the goodness of God, he's a good heavenly father. He's a good heavenly father that wants to provide for you and has great things for you. Um. We have to know what the Word of God says. I'm going to end here, Talitha, in the band here in, in just a minute. Um, but what does the Word of God say? He'll protect you? Yes. Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it. Not everyone can run to it. The righteous. Are you righteous? Are you right standing of God with God? Yeah. So you have his name. His name is that trump card. Get it? His name is the trump card. His name is above all other names. His name is what you use. 
Listen, I've got the name of Jesus. This doesn't have to come near me. This doesn't have to come to my body. This doesn't have to come in my situation. This doesn't have to come into my home. This doesn't have to come into my mind because I have the name of Jesus that I can use. Does it say you'll live in complete and total peace? Yes, John 14, 27, it says, I give you a gift of peace, a gift of peace that the world didn't give and the world can't take it away. Don't hand anyone else your gift. Don't hand anyone else your peace. You are in charge of that. If you feel like things are chaotic around you, they shouldn't be. You have a Christ. You don't live in a crisis. You have a Christ. You don't live in a crisis. And so things shouldn't feel out of sorts for you. No peace. It's like at a birthday party. It's your birthday. You have a table and you have presents on it. Well, those are yours. Your name tag is on the presents. You don't have to be at your birthday party going, oh, I just, those presents look amazing. They're like a good shape. They're big. What if they're shoes or a cow? No, I'm just kidding. And a goat. It could be a goat in a box. (laughs) And you're looking at it. You're not going, oh, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that those are my presents. Lord, those are my presents. Please, Lord, those are my presents. No. Your name is on the tag. Don't hand it over to somebody else. Take that gift and keep it and use it and live in it. In Isaiah 26, 3, it says, All whose thoughts are fixed on you will live in perfect peace. If you keep your thoughts fixed on the word of God, you can't live anywhere else but perfect peace. Let me tell you, perfect peace is priceless. What's going on, the stuff, the lies that this world has given us, the lies, it's twisted. It it sickens my stomach to see the stuff that evil men and women are doing. And I'm not having it anymore as far as women of God buying into that crap. It is crap. It is. It's a lie of the enemy. You know, we have two fathers. You could have the father of lies as the head of your, of your home, or you can have your heavenly father. And if you're saved, you have a heavenly father. So that's somebody that you need to listen to. And we're not going to let the father of lies creep into our mindset anymore. We're going to live in total peace. That's how we're leaving today. We're not having another care on us. We're not having another bit of fear, anxiety, torment. What do I do? I don't know what decisions to make. You're not living like that anymore. This altar right here in church is so precious. It's not pretty stairs so we can get higher to see you better. It's not a jumping point for kids, though my kids seem to find that at the end of service. They run up, run down, run up, run down. This is holy. This is precious. When you come to church, this is where we're leaving today. We're going to leave at the altar, and we're leaving what you don't want anymore. We're not taking it back. We, that's what I said. We're using our faith and action to transform our current situation and our future. That's how we're going to live. I'm going to end in Psalm 46.5. I like two different versions of it. In um, the NLT, 
I'll read, I'll read Psalm 46, 5 in King James first. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. So if you go to Psalm 46, that was the King James Version. If you go to Psalm 46, 5, it says, God dwells in that city. Who's the city? You are that city. God dwells in you. When he dwells in you, look at the next thing. It doesn't stop. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. God will protect it. You are living in a time where we have to take a stand, we have to take responsibility, and we're not going to dwell on the past or the present anymore. Our faith is going to push us into the future, what God has for us. We're going to be like Rahab, where we're taking our faith in action, and we're getting ready to transform it. We're getting ready to transform it in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, I, I don't know everybody here, but if you bow your heads with me, in order to receive the blessings of God, you have to be a child of God. We're not going to allow sin to trap us up anymore. We're not going to allow sin to take over. We're not riding the fence anymore. We're making a bold statement. Now everyone might be saved in here, but if there's anyone in here that wants me to pray with them, that says, I'm not 100% sure, not 100% sure that I'm on my way to heaven, and I want to be, I want to be sure, I want what the covenant of God has for me, I want the blessings of God, and I want to be a child of God. I want to pray with you before we move on anymore. Because like I said, every boldness, everything that I talked about today is for the righteous, is for a woman of God. So if that's you and you feel the Holy Spirit leading you, raise your hand because I want to pray with you before we move on. Yes? Anybody else? Two? Wonderful. Three? Um, you guys have made my day. I mean, this is what it's all about. Hallelujah. If you will join me up here, I want to hug you. I want to meet you and I want to pray with you. That's right. Hallelujah. You're so beautiful. Thank you for coming up. guys got some new sisters in Christ here. Oh, you're so beautiful. Come up with me. You guys put your hand here all together. We're doing this together. Turn it over. Yep, just like this. We're going to do this together because this is an important decision. It's a life-changing decision. Don't leave today with the enemy lying to you. You didn't get saved. This isn't really for you. You, you know, you don't, you, you don't have to listen to what she said or what anyone else is talking in your life. God has a purpose for each and every one of you. doesn't matter what stage you are in life. It is important you know that. There is a purpose. He created you. He didn't create 
just in anybody. He didn't create a bad model. He created a good model. And he's got great things in store for you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I believe in your word today. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I will not let the enemy try to destroy my life anymore. I am a woman of strength, of royalty, and I will do great things for the kingdom. I know you can depend on me. And we welcome them in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you so much. Bless each and every lady that came forward today. Thank you, Lord, for the power of God resides in her. This is a life-changing moment that we're going to see them in heaven, but not even then, Lord, that they're going to be blessed, a mighty blessing of God, that a life-changing moment comes upon them now in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you so much, Lord. 